0: Pick Up the Pace is a rugby union podcast hosted by All Black Super fan and Anadu Ryle, two passionate rugby fanatics from Mata, New Zealand, who go deep into everything rugby without taking themselves too seriously.
1: Get ready for another Pick Up the Pace podcast episode with Magic and Anadu. Our guest today was born in Palm Springs, California. He played rugby at Santa Teresa High School in San Jose before attending the University of Nevada Reno where he was also a free-time collegiate All-American.
0: He was the fourth youngest capped eagle at age 20 when he made his debut for the USA Argentina in 2003 and went to the 2003, 2007 and 2011 Rugby World Cups. He is the most capped eagle in history with
1: 76 caps. From 2004 to 2009, he was also a member of the Men's Eagles Sevens team and made 24 appearances on the World Rugby Sevens Series and played at two Sevens World Cups. In 2006, he played for North Harbour in the NPC in New Zealand, playing in the same team as the great Jonah Lomu.
0: He would later become the first American to play in Super Rugby as a member of the South African Lions. He would go on to play 4 years in Japan Top League, Suntory NTT Shining Arc before playing for the Newcastle Falcons in England. He finished his playing career for the Austin Huns in America.
1: No reira, e te rangatira o America. E Mihihihana tine mai hoki mai ngā tangata e koe. Nau mai and welcome to the Pick Up the Pace podcast, the face of American rugby, Todd Clever.
2: Thanks for having me. That's quite a introduction and brought back some good
0: memories and hopefully added to uh, to my sky miles. Hey Todd, you were born in Palm Springs in California. Can you tell us what it was like for you and your family growing up there?
2: Yeah, I actually grew up in, in uh, Northern California in San Jose, but uh, I was born here with my as 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 with my brother, and uh, you know, grew up in California, you know American family, and, and uh, played sports uh, all sports growing up swimming, soccer, baseball, uh, a little basketball, and uh, fell in love with rugby uh, at a at an age of 15 years old. So um, you know pretty typical. Followed my brother's older brother's footsteps into rugby and and traveling the world and and really found my passion that way.
1: Yeah, so you went to Santa Teresa High School, as we mentioned in the intro. Uh, What sort of made you, you talked about uh, following your brother into rugby. What made you sort of start playing rugby at school?
2: Well, my brother and I, we actually went to two different uh, high schools. He went to a a Jesuit all-boy Catholic school, and they actually had a rugby team. Uh, Santa Teresa High School, we actually didn't have a, a rugby team. Uh, I was the only one at my high school that played rugby. So people thought it was, you know, foreign sport in America, but I was the only one in my school that played. Uh, and how I fall, fell in love with rugby was basically traveling. Um, it was my sophomore year, second year in high school. And his team uh, and, and my team as well were, were going on tour to England. And uh, it was, you know, 12 uh, uh, 12 days in England, visit castles, play two games, uh, check out some pubs and and bill it with the other families. And I wanted to do it. And my parents actually, you know, they said, you know, the only way that we'll support this and sponsor your trip is if you attend every practice, go to every game, be a good team player. And I thought that was a pretty good uh, trade-off. Just wanted to see the world. So went on tour. Uh, and at that, at that time I was playing wing, you know, a little fullback, but off the bench, I wasn't, you know, I was one of the smallest guys on the team and young and wasn't really into the sport, but I was really into the culture. And I fell in love with going on tour with, you know, 30 of our, 30 of my good friends, uh, you know, playing a sport, but ultimately, you know, sightseeing, enjoying uh, what the, what, what the
0: tour life had to offer. You made the under-19 USA rugby team and then went to the University of Nevada in Reno and you were the three-time collegiate All-American. Can you tell us about both of these achievements?
2: Yeah, uh, again, you know, my brother was on the USA under-19 team uh, and he was 19 and I was 17 and we actually got to go on tour to Australia together. We were there for three weeks uh, and and that really, you know, solidified and, and made me put all eggs in one basket of going with rugby. Uh, we trained at the ACT Brumbies facility. We saw Tri Nations, uh, South Africa versus Australia in front of 110,000 people. And I was just in, in the audience and I just said, This is what I want to be. This is what I want to do. And this, uh, you know, whatever, whatever decision I made after that was to, uh, to become uh, a player on that field.
1: So you made your debut for the USA 15s team in 2003 against Argentina. We asked this question of all of our guests that come onto our show. What do you remember about your first match for the Eagles?
2: Oh, it, I mean, yeah, it was, it was the, one of the highlights, you know, and I still have it and I cherish my cap that I, that I got my first cap against uh, Argentina, but, you know, playing against Argentina in Buenos Aires, PAC stadium, uh, you know, it was a long time ago, but I just remember the nerves that I had in my stomach the night before and the, and the morning of, in the walk through and, and just the mental side of it more so than actually the game itself. And uh, I, one of my teammates, you know, m- must have seen, and he was an older guy, uh, set me aside and, and told me, he's like, "You're here for a reason. It's just like any other game. Go out and do your thing. Be disruptive. Be a maniac, and uh, all is gonna be good." And I just took those uh, took those words and calmed myself down and uh, went out there, and it was, uh, you know, just one of those memorable moments you know listen to your national anthem you know doing it at age grade and doing it as a college all-american is one thing but making the, the statement knowing every move uh, both on and off the field in in the 80 minutes and out of the 80 minutes uh to solidify myself as a good teammate uh to to move my uh career going forward especially with uh, the world cup later that year
0: a year later you made your debut for the usa sevens what attracted you to sevens and what were some of your career highlights?
2: Sevens, is, sevens helped my uh, 15s game and, my, and 15s helped my sevens game. I use the physicality in the sevens for, for contact and, and go forward ball and then use open space vision and skills and speed uh, for 15s. So it really, you know, just really solidified and, and helped me make my mark as a, as a complete player, or as, as complete as I could have been. Um, yeah, 2004, made my debut in Hong Kong for the Sevens uh, for the USA team. Uh, John McKittrick, uh, you know, he coached North Harbor, and he's played a huge role uh, in my success and, uh, with rugby and gave me the opportunity to live in New Zealand, gave me the opportunity to play for the Penguins overseas in various 10s uh, tournaments, 7s, 15s games, and, you know, was in the player pool, got my shot with it, And uh, he really, you know, solidified and and helped my uh, career going forward.
1: Yeah, just touching on that, so you moved over to New Zealand in 2006 and you played for the Mahurangi Club and MPC for North Harbour, including Sevens. How different was it uh, playing in New Zealand compared to the United States?
2: The massive difference, uh, you know, playing anywhere. Uh, Came over, played with Mahurangi, like you said, John McKittrick was the coach there and he really organized it, lived at his batch in Campbell's Bay, just absolutely, you know, loved uh, the culture and lifestyle in New Zealand. So it's, it has a special place in my heart without a doubt. Uh, going forward, you know, with that and getting opportunities and, and, and uh, with the sevens team uh, played in the national tournament down in uh, Queenstown uh, and ultimately what, what made, base, makes basically the 7s uh, a feeling team and be able to compete and you know performing well there really like solidified my uh, my spot and how I wanted to you know take that sport and kept on uh, moving forward and then with the 15s uh, there was no guarantee there it was just an opportunity and as uh playing for for Mahurangi club and then training with uh, the, the bigger squad with with the bees and then finally get contracted and that was one of the major goals I set for myself was to you know become a professional rugby player and, and it wasn't big contract by any means but it allowed me to be a full-time athlete where I could you know play both sevens 15s for USA play uh with uh, um with with uh, North Harbor uh and, and learn myself and then play in the prims with with my
0: at North Harbor, you played in the same team as the great Jonah Lomu. What were some of the great memories you had playing with the big man?
2: He's an unbelievable character. I mean, he, uh, you know, just, you know, bigger than life itself. And being around that, and he brought so much media. He brought so much uh, eyes to it. But I learned how to be professional around him. Because even when the media was gone, even when the coaches weren't here, the players, were not you know picnic grain or whatever it was he was doing the extras and that's how you really you know get to get to the places where you want to be is it's when people are you know, not looking and when the doors are closed what are you doing what are you doing behind the, the those doors so that's uh that's the biggest thing I I learned from him and obviously in 2006 when we had the Rally Shield he uh hosted all of us and you know and I'll never forget you know drink up and enjoyment and and just the aura that that he had uh was amazing and a few other stories you know throughout the career you know with it and introducing him to my mom in hong kong you know years later and you know giving me big hugs i mean it was just you know the the stories go on and
1: on that's awesome so uh, unfortunately you didn't make it onto the pitch at the 2003 rugby world cup but you were selected for the eagles and in 2007 the World Cup in France. You did make it onto the pitch. What was it like being on the world stage uh, against the world's best for the very first time at that 2007 World Cup?
2: We had uh, we had England, who won the 2003 World Cup, our first game in the pool in uh, in Lyon. So it was uh, still to this day one of the biggest highlights and nerves, and you know, chicken skin and up and down my uh, you know body and and hair sticking up on my neck listening to our national anthems, listening to all the English in the crowd, singing swing low and uh, and performing against, you know, the likes of the World Cup winning team and many of those players that, that lifted the trophy, the Web Ellis trophy, four years before. And they're coming in pretty much, you know, almost favorites again. So playing that, playing that was, was incredible. Uh, we had Tonga Samoa and, and also in our uh, pool and then we final and, and our last game was against South Africa, uh, who eventually won it. So it was the pool of death, uh, but I took so much out of that and had the opportunities uh, to, to start in all those games, playing all the uh, minutes and, and uh, perform you know as well as I could have and, and gave me the opportunities to, to further my professional career.
0: And so a year later, in 2008, you captained the USA 15s. As a young man, how did you handle the pressure of being captain of the United States Eagles?
2: After after that World Cup, they they hand me the, the the captain's armband, the coach, and I was I was actually really reluctant, and I turned it down to him when it was a one on one, and and I've been around the team already since from 2002, and now it's uh 2008, and the captains before me and I were so different. Everybody is very well spoken, clean cut, and just paper cut of uh, you know some most of the military sort of background. Uh, or, or, they were sim- similar to that, uh, myself long hair and, you know, kind of a free spirit, uh, told him my concerns. I'm like, I'm not like that. I, you know, I'm nervous around media. I'm nervous around Jersey presentations and speeches. And, and he eased my, uh, my train of thought and just said, I don't want you to do anything different. You lead by example, people follow. And, you know, if, if you want to have words, the, the floor is always there, but just do what you do. And that really eased myself and, and really helped my uh, career and, and forming myself as as a man and, and a leader.
1: In 2008, you made the move to South Africa uh, to play for the Golden Lions in the Currie Cup and the Lions in Super Rugby. Why the move to South Africa, and what was it like being the first American to play Super Rugby?
2: After after the 2007 World Cup, I had a handful of offers in France, uh, Premiership. And growing up uh, watching rugby and starting rugby, all we got was Tri Nations and Super Rugby on TV. So my whole career is all about uh, setting goals, short-term and long-term goals, and being able to check off those boxes is massive. So, you know, watching them, I had my favorite team, I had my favorite players, and I had an opportunity to play in South Africa to play in this competition in, in Super Rugby. So. Uh, I turned down much more lucrative uh, contracts to, to make the South African rand rather than the, the British pound, uh, but it was you know rich my heart and got, was able to follow my dreams and and, and most importantly check off that uh, that goal box that I that I set for myself. Um, going down there, it wasn't you know you know the the people weren't completely welcoming. I had to earn my spot uh, uh, from the coaches, from the players. And uh, and also the media. The media is pretty harsh down there. Uh, a funny story. I remember during the preseason, about a week or two before the season started, uh, on the front page of the sports section, it had a picture of me, and it it read, it read, Would China import rice? Why would we import a flanker? And it was pretty much, oh, no, you know, like this is going to be interesting. And, you know, luckily enough, I my debut was it was successful and I played well, earned myself a starting position uh, and, and played, uh, played played three seasons there and, and absolutely loved my time in South Africa.
0: You've seen this talk. New Zealand has a special place in my heart because I owe all my rugby success to that nation. How special was it for you then to return to New Zealand to captain the Eagles at the Rugby World Cup in 2011?
2: It almost felt like a homecoming. A lot of my teammates, a lot of my good friends and and my mentor, John McKittrick, that I mentioned before that that coached me with the USA Sevens and Harbour. It's so welcoming. I mean, the people in New Zealand are are just unbelievable. The cultural... uh, open arms and family atmosphere. So being back, you know, and I consider that a second home, uh, being back home was, was, was awesome just to be, be there, but also to, you know, captain the team and represent my country, you know, on the, the global stage on the world's best stage. And, and, uh, and I'll, and I'll never forget, you know, those opportunities and the game, especially our first game, our pool game was against Ireland and it was on September 11th. Uh, 2011. So the 10-year anniversary after after 9/11, uh, capturing that and that whole day was really emotional, really uh, impactful. And we had a we had such a such a great group of guys that ha- were so committed, but obviously you know couldn't stand to the greats of of it. But I was so proud of that uh, effort that we put in on that night.
1: You played in Japan for Santori, uh, where you won a title in 2012, and then played for the Shining Arcs. Me and Magic both went over to Japan last year for the Rugby World Cup, and we we loved it. Beautiful country. What did you love about living and playing in Japan?
2: I left I left Johannesburg after my third season, uh, and and joined uh, Suntory where Eddie Jones was coaching, and he brought me up. And I I initially signed a two year contract with with Suntory, left. Um, uh left the lions and and on good terms but it was it was sad to leave uh somewhere that you're enjoying so much but financially and and to put myself uh in a situation uh for myself and family it it just made sense and i was i was actually supposed to uh go back to south africa after my two years but after the two years i signed another three years with uh, the shining arcs because i enjoyed that uh that culture i enjoyed the people, the respect, uh, and I was enjoying the rugby as well. I had a good balance where I was able to uh, play full-time with the U.S. without missing any games. They were supportive of that uh, and, and and to lengthen my career. Uh, it's, it's, it's easier to play the top league in Japan and international rugby than it is Curry Cup, Super Rugby, and International Rugby. So I think I added a few years of my, my career.
0: Hey, so just touching on the comparisons between the different rugby in different countries. In 2015, you moved to England to play for the Newcastle Falcons in the Aviva Premiership. How did all these competitions compare, like you had mentioned? Can you talk a bit about that? Super rugby compared to the Japan Top League, the top league in Europe and things?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was such... I can go back to the beginning stages of of my career of of being able to balance between 7s and 15s, and and my training programs completely varied from, you know, and and my body weight, uh, you know, fluctuated quite a bit uh, if I was playing 7s or 15s. Uh, when I made my debut for U- for USA, I was, you know, it's still at university and, you know, playing in front of 200 people, uh, you know, scoring hat tricks, you know, every other week or five tries here and there. And then playing in Buenos Aires against, you know, that scrum, that pack and, you know, in a huge stadium and then come back to play university. I knew if I wanted to be on that stage and perform better, I would have to, you know, not be that uh big fish in a small pond I'd ha- really have to move overseas and, and I was able to get that opportunity to to do that uh, in New Zealand so you know it was eye-opening playing pre- uh, in the premier uh, league with in North Harbor playing for Maharengi, uh and that was that was that was great and then con- getting contracted was you know the the, the tackle contest and I learned so much all the way to international rugby um, and then playing super then playing Super Rugby, uh, fast paced, physical. Uh, Curry Cup was more physical than fast paced and, and, and uh, Japan top league was fast. It was, wasn't that physical, it was easier on the body. But they're brave little Japanese guys diving at your knees and, and your shins and knocking themselves out on that. But the the skill level was was improving so much. You can see it into, into their game now with their national team with Great Blossom. Uh, and then the Premiership uh, had a little stint there. And it, it was all different. And I, I, I never thought I'd be in Europe after going to southern uh, the Southern Hemisphere, just because Southern Hemisphere rugby really complements my style and, and what I you know wanted to do and how I can see my strengths. Uh, but to be a complete player, and I didn't want to have any stone unturned and experiences so having that opportunity to play in the Premiership was uh, was was really great
1: We just want to talk about 2015 for a bit uh, so that year you were dropped from the USA team by coach Mike Tolkien and he didn't select you for the 2015 Rugby World Cup and for us we were shocked um, anyone outside of America knows you as the face of American rugby what was behind all of this and how was the face of USA rugby not selected in that World Cup team?
2: Yeah I mean you know, having a having a long career, you can't always be on the highs. Uh, you're gonna have highs and lows, and, and unfortunately, in 2015, uh, th- there was a low, uh, and, th- and that was me getting you know dropped from the team, and uh, it was very controversial. And from my side, it was unfortunate. Uh, you know, I I looked into you know them doing an open investigation because I thought I was wrongly outed. And had enough evidence and went to it. They kind of turned a blind eye, wouldn't let the proceedings happen, and they wanted to. Lawyer wanted to take action, and and from my side, it's all about the team. I would never want. I knew it wouldn't be good for USA Rugby. So you know, I'm not the first professional or or the last professional to to get wrongly you know done. But you know, I'm confident in everything I did. Uh, I slept well at night every time. My chin's always up of of what kind of character I am. But you know, ultimately, in long story short, is you know doing um, a, nu- a nude shoot for ESPN, being uh, with all these other uh, you know celebrities and big name athletes in America. Uh, they uh, they kind of disagreed with that and disagreed with my article. That was uh, my interview that I did part of that article, and they kind of called me out there. And and next thing you know, uh, pretty much got set up uh, to to miss something to. You know, one of the sessions, and it was a little gym session, and and uh, they they benched me and and ultimately kicked me off uh, whenever I kind of raised it. So it was unfortunate, and uh, you know, I learned a lot how to, you know, tough times, you know, and and I there's no there's no sugarcoating it of missing uh, a world stage and a world cup that you've been preparing for not just for years, but you know, my whole rugby career of of going in for going in to be captain, and then this happening to being completely dropped into it and uh you know the team kind of fell apart and didn't see eye to eye with with the coaching and where the team was going and and unfortunately they they went you know oh and four in that world cup and performed really poorly and usa rugby you know asked me towards the end of the world cup asking me if i was going to retire and i said i have no i want to retire on my terms and uh because they they mentioned uh he, you know mike tolkien he's going to get fired and and we're going to bring somebody else in we, we want you to put your name back in the hat and we don't want to make announcements and I said oh, absolutely ready to uh, you know put on the Eagles jersey and when I got that opportunity after in, in 2016 after the World Cup, it was uh, you know a second life for me and would never take you know uh, another practice, a training session or a game, uh, you know a meal with the players or a, a night out with the guys uh, for granted because uh, how special it was for me
0: so just touching on that, you got reinstated as the Eagles captain by uh former All Blacks coach and the new USA coach, John Mitchell, with the exit of Mike Tolkien. When you got that call, Todd, was it a hard decision to return considering everything that you went through the year before that you've just spoken about?
2: No, it, it wasn't because, you know, I had uh, support from all uh, the players and uh, from myself to, you know, keep my mouth shut and, and let, let, let it take its course and, and trust in the process. Uh, and especially, you know, speaking with, uh, with John and, you know, he, he asked me simply, he's like, what do you want out of this? You know, you, you want back in, what, what, what are your goals out of it? And I said, I don't want to be captain. I don't want to be a leader. I just want an opportunity to represent my country and uh, you know, just give me a shot. So we were in, we were in camp for a week. We had one game against uh, Argentina 15 in Houston and the day after the game, he, you know, said talked to me about not being captain of it and how he wanted to reinstate me to uh, to 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 be captain again. I think he was the fifth coach of USA that I that I captain for. So throughout my career, and you know, obviously, obviously, it's. Uh, you know, it was it was it brought me a lot of joy and giving uh getting that opportunity to to play, but not only play, but but the lead and lead by example uh, through through the the tough times and after that and, and to prosper to to qualify for the World Cup as well for 2019.
1: Yeah, let's just talk about that. So your final game was a win over Canada in 2016 that saw the United States qualify for the 2019 Rugby World Cup as America's one for the very first time. So looking back at your Eagles career, Todd. What are you most proud of?
2: I, I don't think I can put my finger on one thing because uh, it, it was such a long career and there were so many highlights. But the journey, it, it, I would have to say the journey alone throughout the things, uh, like I mentioned before around, around Jonah, is you know when it's emotional, when, when you're by yourself and when no one's looking and, and how easily you could take training sessions off or, or, or not be the best. Uh, that you can be, but you do it. So, you know, putting on a training training top and, and going out there and, and, and training your ass off when no one's there, it's like this is this is what's gonna make me who I wanna be. This is what's gonna put me on that field. This is gonna put me in the locker room. And that's what and, and the biggest thing is this is how I'm gonna get the respect from my peers. Not only in my locker room, but in the other uh, opposition locker room as well.
0: Hey so you ended your playing career for the Austin Huns winning a division one title with them. We're here on the U.S. rugby board so with the new Major League Rugby competition and the recent success of the USA Sevens team what does USA need to do to be the next Japan in the 15s game
2: you know having the the Major League Rugby now it is definitely a big missing piece to our puzzle to to perform well so uh you know we're on our in our third our, our third season just uh just got abruptly stopped through covid but um, the trajectory of the league and the insight from you know, broadcasting the sponsorship to leagues to cities that want to get involved um, and, and, and I might be a fool sounding saying this, but in 10 years time I, I truly believe major League Rugby is going to be the best competition in, in, in the world where people want to be there. Um, and closely following that is going to be you know uh, good performances with our national team. So having that uh, go forward, is, 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 go, is going to be great for the game and pathway to, uh, to for our next generation. So I'm hoping, you know, in 10, 12 years, our national team will be able to be in that semifinal uh, spot.
1: You've had an amazing career, Todd, uh, but you've also had the honour of playing against both the Māori All Blacks and the All Blacks in America. With your close connection to New Zealand, how special were these two moments for you?
2: yeah I, it's every every rugby player's dream um, and they'd they be lying not is to face the Haka uh, and, and to to experience that, that challenge that cultural challenge um and and I've had been lucky enough to face it you know numerous times through you know the Maori and all blacks and I, I remember uh, probably one of the, the the most enjoyable one was in uh, Santa Clara when we played against the Maori all Blacks um and i remember you know making eye contact with with my then roommate czar lawrence that was also playing so having somebody that you sleep on like your roommate your housemate your teammate and then when their countries face each other and see his look in his face and see mine and uh man i never want to tackle him so bad in my life you know that's the sort of thing and, and that's what you guys bring uh to to it and uh, but, you know, playing in Soldier Field in 2014 against the, the All Blacks, and that was, you know, insane magic, you know, and, and, and seeing them uh, and, and throughout my career of, of watching, like I said, before the Tri-Nations games and, you know, even right when YouTube started, you, you're, you're Googling and probably Hawk is one of the most YouTube uh, things in, in the world. And, and it's such a such an amazing thing to, to take place and, and be on a stage and, and,
0: and face it. Your parents, Robin and Harry, and your brother, Chris, and your number one supporter, your daughter, Hadley Tombako Clever, how much have you valued the support of your family throughout your career?
2: They, they played a huge role. Um, you know, my parents, um, they, they instilled how to be a good teammate, how to be committed, and the support that they have. They've traveled all around the world, you know, over and over again to, to watch me play, age grade, World Cups, test matches, uh, and, and to, you know, to listen to the national anthem and, and try to find my mom, which, you know, we always make eye contact during that, uh, that time in, in the stands it was always, you know, really special to me. Uh, and, and I definitely taking a page out of that book, uh, raising, raising my, uh, my daughter Hadley and maybe more, we'll see. So, uh, that, that's one of the biggest thing is, is, is support is, is massive and, uh, and, and following my brother's footsteps who, who got me involved into rugby and you know taught me you know how to be tough you know picking on me when i was younger so uh, i i'm forever grateful for for them
1: so um todd we're we're huge wrestling fans and uh we got excited reading about uh the wwe approaching you uh to possibly become a wrestler so we've got a question for you mate Uh, have have you got a wrestling name yet and uh when, when are you making your debut on the wwe Yeah, it it
2: was it was actually really funny and humbling to to receive a message and and calls and emails from from the WWE after my retirement. They they sent over a very nice package and and, uh, congratulating me on a nice career and inviting me out to Orlando, Florida to to check out the training facility and and check out some options. And I was at a point of you know saying yes to everything, so I said all right, I'm ready. So I jumped on pretty much the next flight that they bought me to Orlando and. Like oh here's the tour and this is you know high performance and give me give me a run and I said I'm ready to get in the ring and they're like oh we are just showing you around I was like no I'm ready to get in so I jumped in the ring first day first couple of minutes in there doing somersaults doing flips on the thing and and uh, there's like are you interested for in this and uh, so I stayed out there and I made a couple trip, uh, camps uh, to it and, and and really enjoyed it um, you know but my uh, professional career and time was uh, was steering a different way and. And I was you know for uh focusing more on family time than than being away and being a, a maniac wrestler but never say never I might uh, might join the ring who knows
0: hey Todd I've, I've seen this um clip come up many times on YouTube and I'll be meeting to ask you so that time where you dived over the trainer what was up with that in one of those sevens games
2: yeah uh I mean the whole thing about you know rugby and the reason why I started playing it and and uh, the joy I get out of it is, it's all about balance and having a great time. And yeah, I could have gone right. I could have gone left. But I decided to go over. I don't really know, but, you know, I, I had fun doing it and it made, made highlights. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty comical. And I, and, I, and it comes up. People will people bust my balls about that sometimes.
1: I tell you what, just looking at some of the highlights of your tries throughout your career, you do love a good dive, don't you? <laughs> you love a good dive. Uh. yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I learned I learned from the best I mean you know yeah, you look yeah. at the some of the super rugby and, and the
1: tri-nations
2: and you know, trying to uh trying to out out leap and jump uh, Brian brian's always have that conversation
1: <laughs> hey thanks uh thanks for that Todd uh before we wrap up we do a thing uh every episode it's called the pick up the pace challenge uh so what we will do is we will give you a topic and you have 10 seconds uh to give us nine answers so for example we will say uh, Todd, name for us nine fruit and you've got 10 seconds, okay? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Magic, you got the timer yep. ready? I got uh, the timer. Oh, you do the timing. You, you, have you got your... I'll do the timer. Yeah, I'll do the you timer. You do the timer. Okay, All right. I, 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 need, I need an excuse, so I'll bring... Uh, I'll bring yeah, yeah. You. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> you might need some extra no, help man. for this one. That's right.
0: going to be a little bit quick, quick on your feet, so um, I'm, I'm sure you'll get that because we know you're quick on your feet, Todd.
1: <laughs> Todd Here Clever. we go, brother. Todd Clever from California in the United States of America. Name for me. In ten seconds, name for me nine. Super rugby teams go.
2: Lions, Stormers, Cheetahs, Blues, Reds, uh,
1: Rebels, Horse. Er, uh, times up. Oh. How many did we get? Nine. Seven. Oh no! <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm the dog's biting me. I
0: swear, you know. Like, oh, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Uh, awesome to have you on the podcast, Todd, and we really appreciate taking time any day in these uh, testing times that are around the world at the moment. Eh?
2: No, absolutely. Thanks for having me. You know, it's a uh, you know huge, huge pleasure to be on your your guys' uh, show, and uh, definitely look forward to following your guys' career. Take care, Todd. Thanks for your time. Excellent.